ಬ್ರಹ್ಮ ವಿದಾತಿ ವೈ ವೇದಾಂಗ್ರಹೀನೋತಿ ತಸ್ಮೈ ತಂ ಹೇವಬುಧಿ ಪ್ರಕಾಶ ಮುಕ್ಷೂರ್ವೈ ಶರಣಮಹಂ ಪ್ರಪದ್ಯೈರಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಲಿಬರೇಷನ್ ಸೀಕ್ ರೆಫ್ಯೂಜ್ ಇನ್ ದಟ್ ಇನ್ಫಿನಿಟ್ ಇನ್ಡಿಸ್ಕ್ರೈಬಲ್ ಬೀಯಿಂಗ್ ಹೂ ಇಸ್ ದ ವಿಟ್ನೆಸ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಹಾರ್ಟ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಆಲ್ and who in the beginning created the creator himself and gave to him the repository of all spiritual wisdom om vishnur vatripurandako bhavatu va brahma surendro dhava bhanur va shashalakshano ta bhagavan buddho ta siddho ta va ರಾಗದ್ವೇಷವಿಷಾರ್ತಿ ಮೋಹರಹಿತುಕೃತೀಮ ರಿಯಾಲಿಟಿ ಅಂಡ್ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಮೆಸೆಂಜರ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ ನೋನ್ ಬೈ ವೇರಿಯಸ್ ಟ್ರೆಡಿಷನ್ಸ್ ಬೈ ವೇರಿಯಸ್ ನೇಮ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ ವೇರಿಯಸ್ ಟ್ರೆಡಿಷನ್ಸ್ But as for me I offer my worship always to the one going by any name and belonging to any tradition that is free from attachment and hatred free from worldliness and delusion who is filled with compassion towards all living beings and who is possessed of all noble virtues Om shanti 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 hari hi om tat sat Om peace 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 be unto us all Good morning to everyone This morning the uh, topic is things always to remember and um, in one sense the spiritual life is all about learning what to remember what to forget also but we won't talk about that today we'll talk about things to uh, things to remember and uh let me state the obvious at the beginning and that is that there are two significantly different meanings of uh the word to remember and we're talking about one specific uh meaning of the word uh, one of the most common meaning of the word to remember of course is to call to mind something which happened in the past to remember uh an old incident to call to mind something that uh, uh that you experienced or you learned uh that has uh, got receded to the background of the mind and then you relive it in your memory and so that is to remember but um, to remember as we're speaking of it today means to uh, think about to hold or not to think about let me put it differently to hold in the mind to hold present in the mind it has nothing to do with anything past it has everything to do with keeping present in the mind a principle a teaching an idea a reality of uh, uh, a feeling a presence whatever and spiritual life as i said really has uh, everything to do with remembering the uh fulfillment of spiritual life is the final act of remembering that is remembering that is bringing into the presence of the mind the reality which we have forgotten and so in that sense you can say that the two meanings kind of come together uh because we all know the truth inside it's just that we have forgotten that we know it and we think that we don't know it and uh on the basis of that forgetfulness uh comes all of our misery and so in some traditions like the kashmir shaiva tradition which is very close to the vedanta tradition in fact there's no significant difference just a somewhat different way of stating things and a somewhat different emphasis but it's uh, very much um in tune um uh with the vedanta tradition at all uh, practically all aspects but in the in this kashmir shaiva tradition uh one of the uh, uh terms for realization is recognition so recognition that is recognition of a present fact and one that somewhere within us we've never really forgotten that's why some of us when we hear the truth we read it in a book we hear it hear it from someone something within us recognizes that yes i know that's true i don't know how i know it but i know that's true some others of us uh, it's more buried and uh, uh, uh 
I would even say it's not really buried. It's more that we're so interested in other things that are contrary to that uh, that we don't allow ourselves to remember what we um, would naturally remember if the mind were a little simpler. Uh, but that's why we're attracted to spiritual life. Uh, I think in all cases, there may be many differences in the ways that we come to spiritual life as far as the particular circumstances. But within all of those circumstances, we take an interest in spiritual life because we recognize something. Something within us knows that, yes, this is somehow true and not only true, but valuable to me. Others uh, uh, turn away from it because they are not yet ready to recognize the truth of it uh, because of conflicting interests. So uh, remembering has everything to do with spiritual life, and it has everything to do with spiritual practice as well. One of the things that we find in uh, uh, Vedanta as well as other spiritual traditions is that there's a great deal of repetition. And uh, for us in the modern world, in the modern Western world in particular, uh, repetition is something that brings quick boredom, and so that's something we have to get used to in spiritual life, is uh, hearing the same thing over and over again. Uh, hopefully, sometimes put in slightly different ways so that we see it somewhat differently, so that we begin to get a fuller uh, picture of it, a, a fuller idea of what uh, is being spoken of. But uh, nonetheless, there's a lot of repetition. I remember when I was in the training center at our headquarters at Belarmat, the monastic training center, uh, one of the acharyas, that is one of the instructors in the training center, uh, we had for two years of classes of, uh, uh, every day of the week except for Sunday, I think. Uh, he would always begin every class with the same chant. And I used to think, my God, there's so many Sanskrit chants. Why does he always pick the same one and go over and over and over and over again? So many days in the year and the two years running. And he's been an acharya here for 20 years, and he's been doing the same thing. Uh, why doesn't he get a book and look up another one? <laughs> but then afterwards, by the second year, I began to appreciate it that uh, any one thing, if you take it up, you can give your whole life to it if you just bury yourself within it. And the problem is uh, our own minds that get bored with uh, repetition. Even before we've uh, learned to absorb the intent of what's being repeated, we get bored with it. And so in spiritual life, repetition is uh, extremely important. Hearing the same thing over and over with the uh, idea that one day something within us is suddenly going to say, aha, that's it. Yes, now I see the intent of that. And along the way, from time to time, we understand at deeper and deeper levels, but at some point uh, the uh, mind catches fire with an idea. And so, uh, again, with, uh, with uh, variation, uh, uh, variation is fine and good, uh, but uh, this uh, repetition of the same thing until the mind grabs hold of it, and then we remember it in a new way. That is, we keep it present within the mind in a new way. So, again, in spiritual life, it's all about learning to remember, that is, to hold present in the mind uh, a significant truth. In fact, uh, a book like uh, the great uh, uh, book, present, The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, the great um, 17th or 18th, now I forget, I think 17th century, I believe, uh, uh, French Carmelite uh, lay brother, uh, what we would call a monk, but there was a distinction between lay brothers and priests in the uh, monastery. Uh, he wrote, uh, or he didn't write the book, it was uh, compiled from his letters and conversations, uh, The Practice of the Presence of God. And that is nothing but always remembering that God is here present with me. But not remembering that God is here present with me. Okay, I've got to remember, okay, God is here present with me. God is all around me. God is right here. No, not that, but you are here, you are with me, you are everywhere, and everything that I feel, everything that I think, uh, every experience that I have, you are in the heart of it, you are in the midst of it. So that's the practice of the presence of God, keeping that in mind, to remember that God is uh, present, not as a third person, but you are here as uh, the, uh, the heart of my heart, present within every experience that I have, everything that I see, every sound that I hear. Uh, is your voice. Everything that I see is the sight of you. Every feeling that I have is the feeling of your presence. And so that is the practice of the presence of God. And so that's one, one practice of remembering. When we're told to do japa, 
uh, to repeat the mantra as often as you can. Uh, remember to do japa as often as you can. Well, again, it's not to remember, okay, I've got to remember a, what my teacher told me uh, and call up a past memory. No, remembering to do japa means to keep bringing it to mind, to keep calling it to mind, to keep making it present to the mind in the present moment. It has nothing to do with the past. So, in spiritual life, there's so many things to remember, so many things we could remember, so many things that we think we're supposed to remember, uh, that we can't possibly keep all of them present in the mind. Um, if you read something like the Bhagavad Gita, in the 12th chapter on Bhakti Yoga, the path of devotion, Sri Krishna mentions 20-something virtues of the uh, uh, realized bhakta, that is, the uh, uh, person who has realized God through the path of devotion. And he mentions these 20-something virtues. And Shankaracharya says in his commentary that these are the signs of an illumined soul, but for us they are practices, and so we should practice these things. Well, you can't remember 22 or 25, or I forget the exact number, of these virtues. You can't uh, always uh, see there's this, there's this, there's this, there's this. this. You'd uh, constantly be going through the list and um, uh, wouldn't be able to think of anything else. So in spiritual life, there's so many things that we hear that we're supposed to remember. You're supposed to always do your japa, you're, uh, do it as often as you can. You're supposed to practice the presence of God. You're supposed to remember who you are, that you are the Atman. You're supposed to remember to be truthful, to be honest, to be straightforward, to be a person of integrity. So many things to remember, you can't uh, remember all of those things. So what we need to learn in spiritual life is to find uh, one or two or three things that are central to us, that attract us naturally. Um, uh, that's another thing that many of us do, which is a mistake, and that is uh, there are certain things that we like, and then there are other things that we don't like, and we think that, well, I've got to focus on the things I don't like because I shouldn't not like them. But no, take up the things that you do like. You'll go a lot further if you remember the things you do like and put the others just on the back burner and say, well, I don't understand them or I don't respond to them, I don't resonate to them now. So let me just forget about that for now. But this I like, so go with that. So, uh, so again, what we need to do is to find one or two or three things that really attract us and to keep going back to that, holding it within the mind. Um, and so it's about some of these things that I want to um, uh, talk today. Uh, what we need are the essentials, and what are, are essentials for me will be different from what are essentials for you. Not that they are contradictory, my essentials and your essentials, but they are temperamentally based. The things that I, by my temperament, uh, by my karma, uh, by my samskaras or in, uh, imp mental impressions, uh, that I'll be attracted to, that I'll want to uh, uh, practice and remember. And uh, some of those may be things that don't attract you at all, but there'll be other things that attract you. And so uh, it's essentials that we need to find in spiritual life. It said that uh, I never had the blessing of knowing him. Uh, some of you did. Uh, a number of you did. Uh, but it said that uh, I've heard from several disciples that Swami Prabhavananda, Swami P, as he was affectionately known, that Swami Prabhavananda, in his later years, his, uh, uh, his public talks became extremely simple. Basically, he would say with a little variation, but basically he knew what he was going to say. In one way or another, he would say that God is... Uh, uh, God ca can be realized, and there are methods for realizing God, and uh, these are some of them. And so basically that was it. And some of you also knew, as I did, uh, Swami Asesananda. And uh, so whatever the topic of the lecture, he always gave the same lecture. It was <laughs> basically the same talk. In fact, once... Uh, 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 he, he was having, during this period, uh, the people in his uh, night, one of his night classes would write questions on a piece of paper and pass them down to the end, and they'd be collected in a basket and taken to the Swami, and after the class he would uh, 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 answer some of them. And so once uh, there was a suspicion, everybody knew who it was who wrote this particular question, but uh, uh, nobody said anything. I don't know if Swami knew it or not, but he must have figured it out too. Uh, but uh, he, the title of his talk was uh, The Message of Death, and he was to speak about the Katu Upanishad and Yama and Nachiketa, the dialogue between them. And uh, so instead of that, he gave his usual talk. Uh, <laughs> and so one of the questions came, and he read it, and he said... Uh, uh, Swami, very nice class, but what did that have to do with uh, the message of death? And Swami said, uh, oh, too bad, better, not, better luck next time. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so um, for a person of that caliber, of Swami Prabhavananda's caliber or Swami Asesinanda's caliber, just being in their presence was enough and hearing their words, even if it was the same lecture over and over. Not that Swami P gave the same lecture over and over, but again, the same themes were repeated over and over. It came down to where that was the same theme of every talk. And Swami Asesinanda, you could practically predict where he was going to say what. Uh, where Swami, what was it, St. Augustine, St. Augustine. And uh, what was the other, St. Augustine and uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> he would always bring St. Augustine and uh, St. Thomas Aquinas up in the uh, uh, talk. Uh, but with them, just being in their presence was enough. Um, so the rest of us, we have to make up for it with some variation and trying to come up with uh, a little more uh, 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 interest. Uh, but for them, that, uh, that's enough. And what they had to say was enough also. Uh, so, uh, again, it's about this remembering the essentials of spiritual life that I want to uh, speak today. And first of all, I want to say, speak about certain basic realities that we need to remember. Whatever our path, whatever our approach, certain basic realities. And some of it will be obvious, uh, some of it uh, a little less obvious, but um, uh, it's, again, extremely important uh, to know what it is that we should keep the mind focused on as we approach uh, uh, God. So basic principles or realities to remember. And of course, the first and most obvious, which anyone here could uh, tell me, uh, that is to remember our spiritual ideal. If we are devotional, to remember God, God in the way that we think of God. Of, uh, to, th to remember the spiritual ideal. What is my spiritual ideal? How do I think of spiritual reality? Is spiritual reality to me a person like Sri Ramakrishna, the Divine Mother, the Holy Mother, Jesus, uh, or any number of ways of looking at God as person? Or is God a person and yet not a specific historical personality or a, uh, nor a Hindu deity, but just God, say as a, a Christian, a Jew, a Muslim uh, worships a God that is uh, personal, uh, but not a person in the sense that we think of a person like Rama or Krishna or Ramakrishna or Jesus uh, or a Buddha, etc. Uh, or thinking of the spiritual reality as our own self, remembering the self, remembering who we are, seeking the self. So the central thing that uh, we need to remember in one way or another for the vast majority of aspirants, some aspirants are more practice-oriented and not uh, uh, even so much goal-oriented. Uh, and for them, a particular method is more important even than the spiritual reality itself. For instance, a person who takes up the path of Raja Yoga as their central path, and uh, uh, they take up a, wor a simple working hypothesis, uh, that if you do this, this practice, then you will develop the mind to the point where it will know the truth. And so for such a person, then remembering a spiritual ideal is not uh, their central reality. Uh, for them, it's the uh, development of mind which will lead to that, which is the central reality. Or a, a person following a particular form of karma yoga, the path of service. For them, maybe it's just to the pouring out of love to the whole universe, uh, removing all the barriers to love for all beings and pouring out love to all beings. Um, so, that, uh, so there are differences even here. But for the great majority of people, the central thing for us to remember in one way or another is our spiritual ideal. And, of course, there are different ways of doing that, and I won't go into all of those. I couldn't even go into all of them. Uh, but whatever it is that reminds us of our spiritual ideal is the way to keep present in the mind the living presence of the chosen ideal. And that's important because, again, remembering doesn't rem uh, mean, as I've uh, said already, uh, in the case of Sri Ramakrishna, if he's my ideal, it doesn't mean remembering Sri Ramakrishna as he was in the... In the uh, 19th century, it means remembering him as a present living reality, that is remembering you as a present living reality, you who are with me, you in whose presence I live, move, and have my being. And so uh, whatever helps us to remember our spiritual ideal, if my spiritual ideal again is a uh, non-dualistic ideal of uh, self-knowledge, then always to hold on to the idea 
in one way or another, there are many ways of doing it, but to hold on to the idea of the self which I am, not the body, not the mind, but uh, pure consciousness, the light which illumines all of my experience, to keep trying to pull back into that and to keep changing, shifting my sense of identity as often as I can to uh, the standpoint of pure consciousness, that I'm the light which illumines experience. Let me keep remembering and pulling myself back from identification with the experience itself, but I'm the light which illumines it. I'm the light of consciousness which illumines everything. I'm the light which illumines the sun, the moon, the galaxies. They don't illumine me. It's I who illumine them. Again, not the ego, but the uh, spiritual self, which is one with God. So in one way or another, to learn to remember the spiritual ideal, the spiritual reality, however we think of it. And as most or all of you know, in that sense, we're very similar to the uh, 12-step programs where you think of your higher power in whatever way you think of your higher power. So think of spiritual reality in whatever way you think of spiritual reality your spiritual ideal. So that's one thing that we have to remember, and that's sort of the central thing. But another thing to remember, as far as these basic principles, these basic basic realities, is to remember who I am, to remember who I am. If we get to a point, and if we're on a devotional path, for instance, and we get to a point where we forget ourselves altogether, then that's a good thing, if it's the right kind of forgetfulness, Um, if it's forgetting ourselves because we're so conscious of the divine. Uh, that, uh, like the image given in uh, the Indian tradition of the moth uh, consuming itself in the flame, it's so in love with the flame that it actually uh, immerses itself into the flame, gives its life into the flame. So if we're so conscious of God that we forget ourselves, that's fine. But most of us don't have to worry about that right now. That's not an, not an imminent danger. <laughs> and so if we, uh, we need as we go, as we develop, even if we're on the devotional path, we need to remember who we are. Uh, That's extremely important. Even Ramakrishna said, he said that uh, uh, all I know is that mother is and I am, and I'm her devotee. That's all that I know. If that's all we know, then we've really learned all that we need to know, and we've forgotten all the rest which we needed to forget as well. Uh, But knowing who we are, that will depend also on our path. So again, the way that we look on spiritual reality is central to deciding all of these factors. If um, I look on God, uh, if I uh, look on spiritual reality as God as person, then how do I relate myself to God? Who am I in relationship to God? What is it within me that relates to God? Uh, Who am I who am trying to relate myself to God? Uh, Am I the child of God? Am I the friend of God? Uh, Am I uh, just uh, a wave on the ocean of uh, God? God is the ocean of love, and I'm just a wave on that ocean, made of the same stuff of God, uh, but distinguishable only uh, only as you distinguish a wave from the ocean. There's no real distinction, but only a conceptual distinction, and that's the only distinction between me and God. So one way or another to find our relationship. Or am I the self? In that case, remembering who I am and remembering the spiritual reality, they become the same. Then uh, uh, they're not two different things. But for most people, we think of spiritual reality uh, as the vast and ourselves as the the, the smaller. But from a Vedantic standpoint, we should always learn to think of ourselves in the same terms as God. Even if we are a spark and God is the infinite fire of uh, love, then we're a spark of that same nature. If God is the ocean, then I'm a wave on the ocean of God. Or if God is the ocean, I'm a drop of for the same water. Um, and uh, my uh, 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 blessedness lies in, uh, in that uh, drop joining the ocean. There's a beautiful poem by Rumi, which I wish I knew well enough to quote, and I'm sure some of you have read it. It's an extraordinarily beautiful poem where he says, uh, What has a drop ever lost by joining the ocean? What has a drop, or no, actually the, 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 the refrain is something, what has, what has one ever lost uh, by dying? Uh, and the idea is that I died as a plant and I became an animal. I died as an animal and I became a human. I died as a human and I became uh, one with God. Uh, what has one ever lost by dying? And uh, I, uh, then he goes on about I, the drop, seeking to lose myself in the ocean of God. What has, one ever lo- what has a drop ever lost by joining the ocean? And so thinking in those terms, thinking of myself as being of the same nature as the divine, 
Again, from a Vedantic standpoint, that's very, very important. Not to think of myself as a sinner, not to define myself in terms of my weaknesses. From a Vedantic standpoint, it's extremely important, whatever your path, not to define yourself in terms of your weaknesses, not to define yourself in terms of your uh, shortcomings but uh, to learn to define yourself in terms of your spiritual nature and to see everything else, not to deny it, not to say I'm a realized soul when I realize I've got many weaknesses and, uh, uh, and so forth, uh, but to know that the weaknesses are things which are extraneous to my real nature and one day I'll learn to shed them, I'll learn to get rid of them because they don't really belong to me. Somehow they've stuck on to me like things stuck, stick to Velcro. Uh, uh, but they don't belong there. And so someday I'll be able to shed them. But my nature is pure. My nature is spiritual. My nature is godly. And my nature is that uh, it belongs to God. So we should be, as I've said in other occasions and contexts, uh, like a prince or a princess. That is, one who knows that they are the crown prince, one who knows that he is of royal blood. Uh, he's not. He's the crown prince. He's not yet ruling a kingdom, but he knows that I'm not an ordinary person. Uh, I have royal blood flowing in my veins, and I have to act like a king, even though I'm still a child and I'm still the crown prince. I can't uh, act like an ordinary person. And so we should be not in an egotistical way that I'm better than others. No, we should recognize that everyone has royal blood. It's just that they've forgotten it. But I've remembered it. I've remembered it at least in principle. And so I have to begin to act like that. I'm not, uh, I'm not a low person. I'm not a worm. I'm not an unworthy person. And uh, so uh, learning to think of ourselves in spiritual terms, that I'm worthy of the highest, worthiest, worthy of uh, oneness with God, and someday I'll get there. And yes, all weaknesses that I have, all backslidings that I have, all the bad things that I might do that I wish I wouldn't do, well, yes, those are weaknesses, but those one day I'll shed. And so let me not focus on those things. Let me focus on who I am, because in that way I'll get strength. If I'm devotional, then let me think that I'm a child of God. As Ramakrishna said again, uh, God is and I am, and I don't know anything else. Let me get to that kind of divine ignorance where I don't know anything but that God is and that I am. If we know that, we know everything. We know everything. And so uh, remember that. Remember that there's no condition I can be in, however despicable it might look to me or even look to society. There's no condition I can be in where I'm unworthy of God, because that's my nature. How can I be unworthy of, uh, of that which I am? I can't be unworthy of that which I am. So there's no condition possible to humanity where we're unworthy of God, where we turn away from God thinking that, no, I can't go to God now because I'm unclean. I can't go to God. Nobody loves me. Even God couldn't love a wretch like me. No, that's, uh, that's false thinking. That's reinforcing that which, we, uh, that which is the source of our problems, the source of our problems thinking that we are that. Uh, it's that which takes us away from who we really are. So if we remember who we are, our spiritual nature, whether it's thinking in terms of my relationship to God or in terms of uh, me being one with the divine self, whether it's relationship or identity, it doesn't matter. It comes to the same thing. To remember, the, to remember who I am is that which takes away everything that I'm not. It's that which frees us from the things that we're not, that which frees us from what we need to be free from. So uh, who I am, and again, there is many ways to do that as there are people, but there's this common element of remembering uh, that, uh, that which I am and knowing that my essential nature is spiritual and that my essential destiny is to uh, join the divine, not even to join the divine, but to remember that I am one with God, that that's my home, that's where I belong, and everything else is just a journey because somehow I've forgotten where I am. And uh, it's just finding my way back to the point, not even to a new territory where I remember, oh, this is where I came from, now I'm back there. No, just remembering that uh, I've dreamed that I'm gone from the palace, but I'm sleeping in the palace all the time. I'm there in my royal bed all of the time, but it's only sleep which makes me think through dreams that I've gone somewhere else, that other things have happened to me, that uh, I've, my life has been destroyed, my life has fallen apart, I've done bad things, I've done wrong things. No, that's just part of the dream. So remember that, that we're always at home, sleeping in the bed where we belong, the, uh, the royal bed where we're one with God.
So our spiritual ideal, what reality is, who we are, and then the third thing to remember as far as basic uh, realities is what this is, what the world is, what reality is, who I am and how I relate to that reality, and then what this environment I find myself uh, in, what it is. Uh, because all of these are the fields of our experience. We know the self, we have some idea of reality, uh, not a very clear idea of reality, or we would be illumined souls, but we have some idea of what's real to us, and so we gradually change that until we realize what really is real. Uh, so we know ourselves, we have some idea of reality, and then we experience all of this. And there's some people whose uh, spiritual life uh, consists in just trying to forget all of this. Uh, you know, this is the uh, place that causes me all those problems. Uh, there are all these people that I don't like that are always hanging around, and I wish I could get away from them, and let me just uh, do what I have to do to make a living and then go home and forget everybody and just uh, crawl into my, uh, uh, my closet and, uh, and meditate and forget everything. Well, that's one way of practicing. Uh, but a much better way of practicing, a much better way, is when you see the environment itself in spiritual terms, uh, that there's nothing here to hide from. Yes, there are times when I want to be alone, that's good. There are times when I can't be alone, that also is fine. Because if my environment, if I see it in spiritual terms, uh, then I'm alone whether I'm in the midst of the environment or if I'm on my own. But alone in a different way, alone in a sense that I'm connected to everything connected to everything. Even in the midst of a crowd of, uh, even in the greatest solitude, I'm connected to everything. And in the midst of a crowd, I'm connected. And then by the same token, I'm alone when I'm in a cave, and I'm alone when I'm in the midst of people. But alone in that sense, in the sense uh, that the mind is quiet, and I'm connected to everything in the midst, uh, in the midst of activity, in the midst of commotion. So learning to reinterpret the world that we see, learning to see the world as a spiritual world, because that's what it is. If I'm one with God, then what about all of these uh, uh, people all around me? What about all of these things all around me? What about everything else? Well, no, that, uh, this, is the, this is the playground of God. This is the, uh, uh, the Dharmakshatra. Uh, it's the of the uh, of the Gita from the first verse of the uh, Gita, where Dhritarashtra asks uh, Sanjaya, on this field of Kurukshetra, which is the Dharmakshetra, the field of uh, Dharma, the field of uh, of uh, uh, spirituality. Uh, what did my sons and the sons of Pandu do? And so this is our uh, Dharmakshetra. This is the field of Dharma, the field where we work out uh, our liberation. And in the midst of that, as Vivekananda never tired of emphasizing, I'm not using his words or even the conceptual framework he used, but the ideas there and everything that he's taught, remembering that not, it's not only the dharmakshetra for me to work out my liberation, it's a dharmakshetra where I share with others, where I help others on the path to uh, liberation. And so um, learning to reinterpret the world. If it's true that God is in the heart of every being, uh, then it's my misfortune that I can't see that. It's my misfortune that I see people that I like and people that I don't like. It's uh, my uh, misfortune uh, that uh, I see the world as filled with uh, strife and problems and uh, headaches and all of that. Uh, yes, that's natural. We all see that, but we see it because of our weakness, not because it's true. We see it because we're not yet uh, strong enough to see the truth in the midst of, uh, that's right in front of us. A beautiful incident in the life of Vivekananda where uh, his spiritual power was revealed at its uh, highest as it happened from time to time. It was always evident, but at times it was uh, flaming and vibrant, uh, affecting everyone around him. At the time at Belarmat, our headquarters in India, when he was uh, speaking near where the, his temple is at Belarmat today, for those of you who have been there, uh, he was speaking to some of his uh, disciples, and perhaps some of his brother disciples were there, I don't know, but some of his disciples were present. He was giving them a talk, and suddenly he said, don't you see, the living Brahman is here, here, right in front of you, don't you see it, it's here. And you could uh, uh, see from just even reading the record of it, that Swamiji was seeing the living Brahman right in front of him, that there was all around him. And so those who were present uh, wrote in their reminiscences that everyone was plunged into deep meditation where they felt uh, the, the reality of Brahman in everything that they saw. 
And uh, so someone like that sees the reality of the world. We see shadows, and we uh, fight with the shadows. So instead of fighting with the shadows, let's keep trying to remind ourselves in the midst of the everyday struggles of life, which, yes, we all have to face, whether we're in society or whether we're in a monastery, convent, wherever we are, we all have to face the struggles of life. But let's keep reminding ourselves that behind the struggles is the reality, and the struggles are there only because we have a wrong way of looking at things, constantly reminding ourselves that, uh, the, uh, that if I want to be free, then let me begin to change the way I look at the world. The world is not the horrible place we think it is. Read in the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, where he says over and over again that this world is a mart of joy. This world is a mart of joy. How many of us can really, from the bottoms, bottom of our hearts, say that this world is a mart of joy? No, we can't say it because we suffer so much. But we suffer because of our wrong way of looking at things. That's all. All of the great uh, teachers of Vedanta have assured us of that. So remembering not only that my weaknesses and my uh, shortcomings are extraneous to who I am, and so let me focus on who I really am. Let us also remember that the problems that I face in life come from the fact that I look on, uh, that I'm seeing the wrong things. The truth is right in front of me, as Vivekananda said. See the uh, uh, living Brahman here uh, in front of you. See it, see it. Uh, So uh, let us remember that that's true for us as well. We don't have a powerful person, a person as powerful as Vivekananda, who can make it living and palpable just by his saying, see it, and then people would see it. Or as he says in inspired talks, don't seek God, just see him. Don't seek God, just see him. Remember that. Every time that we uh, forget it, let's remind ourselves something to remember. Uh, to remember that uh, 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 that uh, everything is divine, and it's my misery that I'm not able to see that. Remind ourselves that the reason why I see problems, the reason why I see difficulties, the reason why I see shortcomings is because of the impurities of my own mind. And those don't belong to me, but somehow that they've stuck on to me. So someday I'll get rid of those impurities, and then I'll see uh, what... I would see if my eyes were perfectly pure. That is, I would see nothing but God. I would see everyone as a manifestation of God. I'd see everything as a manifestation of God. As Ramakrishna saw when he was doing the worship in the Kali temple, eventually he came to the point where he saw that uh, not only the image was the living image of uh, the Divine Mother, but the worship vessels were made of pure consciousness. The walls, the floor, the ceiling, uh, the world around him, everything was made of pure consciousness. If we were okay, that's what we would see. And so remember to put the blame on ourselves, not in a blaming way, not in a negative way, that I'm bad and therefore I see the world as bad. But no, I see the world the way I see it because I haven't yet become what I really am. So let me work at that. Let me remind myself who I am and remind myself what the world is. Learn to interact with the world. If we take these convictions, these convictions are meant to be taken and deeply embedded in the mind and in the heart so that they take life there. We first hear them. We first hear them and then we think about them. But eventually we want to take them deeply inside of us so that they become part of our way of thinking, part of our, our natural reaction to things, uh, so that they begin to go deeply and begin to affect the very way that we see things, the way we see the world around us, the way we see ourselves, long before we attain to actual illumination but they begin to become parts of the ways that we think of things, naturally the way that we think of things. When I find myself thinking that I really don't like that person or I don't like the way that person looks or I don't, I don't like this about that person or whatever, uh, immediately the idea should come, as long as I'm in that state where I haven't gotten beyond that, the idea should come, no, how can I think that about God? How can I think that about the divine? Let me remind myself that this is God. Um, and uh, uh, so gradually to change the way that we look at the world. I mentioned on other occasions um, in other talks and retreats uh, that when I first went to the training center in India, uh, I would see uh, people, a habit among the, a cultural habit that uh, the brahmacharis uh, from India would do, if they accidentally touch someone with their foot, 
and in India where people sit on the floor, that's uh, fairly easy to do, they would touch the person and salute them to show that I didn't mean any offense. It was my uh, carelessness, and I'm sorry. Uh, they wouldn't say anything. They just touch like so and uh, salute them. Uh, but then they would do something like uh, uh, accidentally hit a piece of furniture with their foot, and they would touch it like so. And then one day I saw somebody accidentally touching the trash can with their foot and then reaching over, saluting the trash can. And then I thought, well, this is really going way, way too far. Uh, but uh, later I came to see that, no, that's a wonderful thing. It wasn't that these were primitive people who were thinking that uh, there's some uh, little man inside the trash can who's feeling insulted that you kicked him. Uh, no, they were realizing that, no, for my sake, I shouldn't be careless and I shouldn't disrespect anything. I shouldn't disrespect anything. I should respect all. And so learning that sense of respect for all. And, of course, all of these things, obviously, have to be done carefully. They have to be done with wisdom, not in a, uh, uh, not in a superficial way, because otherwise we can have uh, uh, all kinds of boundary issues and things like that. Uh, so it's not that you do it in a superficial or a careless way. You do it with uh, wisdom um, uh, and uh, learning as you learn to respect others that you respect yourself as, all, as well. Uh, that by respecting others, it doesn't mean that I make of myself a doormat so anybody can do anything to me they want because I'm no good but everybody else is divine. No, no. You uh, uh, realize as you grow spiritually and as you begin to, think of your, begin to think of yourself in spiritual terms as well as others in spiritual terms, you realize that I never do anyone any good by allowing them to abuse me. And uh, so you learn a sense of self-respect, a sense of integrity about your own being. Uh, and so that also is important. So uh, spiritual ideal, who I am, what the world is, and then what my, spirit, my central spiritual practice is. There may be several things that I practice, and that's good. It's good to have more than one practice, because then when you tire of one, you have something else to do, and you don't have to wait until the mind relaxes so you can practice again. Uh, but have, one, have uh, one central practice, and then two or three or four other practices that support that central practice. So we're finding in time that practice which works best for you, whether it's japa or whether it's uh, visualization or whether it's holding on to the sense of I am, just the simple sense of my own uh, inner being, holding on to the sense of awareness. Uh, there are many different uh, practices. Uh, those are things to uh, remember. So those are the four central things to remember. Uh, what spiritual reality is and to keep that in mind as a living presence, as a living presence which I'm conscious of, not in third person, either in second person or first person, uh, that I am one with, I am the reality, not this body, not this mind, not this ego, or you, my beloved, uh, are everywhere and in everything that I experience. Then uh, who I am, then what the world is, and then what my practice is. So let me just mention a few, and uh, before I close, a few of the basic uh, understandings that are uh, helpful to uh, keep in mind as well. Again, not as things that are always forefront in the mind, but things to sort of keep as background ideas, part of the contextual, contextual understanding we have that supports our spiritual practice. One thing is to remember that there's only one real purpose to life, only one purpose to life. Everything else comes and goes. Other things have their value. Other things have their necessity. Uh, but there's one central purpose to life. Yes, you'll be less of a person. You'll be less of a person. You'll be further from uh, the spiritual truth by ignoring those things that uh, you're responsible for. Other people, a spouse, children, elderly parents, uh, things like that. that uh, you, you'll be less of a person if you ignore them. Uh, so don't uh, think that by uh, spiritual renunciation it means just uh, getting rid of everything that's a botheration. Uh, it doesn't, uh, following your bliss, as Joseph Campbell uh, famously said, uh, doesn't mean, and I'm not speaking for him, I'm speaking for uh, the way I would uh, uh, intend that, and I, I don't pretend to know exactly what he meant, though I, I'm sure he meant something good. Uh, but fo follow your bliss uh, doesn't mean, uh, well, uh, my, taking care of my old parents is uh, inconvenient or I'm tired of my wife or my husband or you know, I really didn't want to have kids and somehow they happened and I, I really don't want to bother with them. So following my bliss means you know, going off and doing my own thing and forgetting about all of that, so I'm going to follow my bliss. No, if that's uh, your bliss, then forget about it. <laughs> don't follow your bliss. 
Uh, <laughs> do the things that you have to do, the things that you're responsible for. Of course, that also entails knowing what's a genuine responsibility and what are things that you've taken on that you really didn't have to do. There are many things that we think we often tie ourselves in knots of responsibility that we take on ourselves that we never needed to to begin with. It's just that we like to feel responsible for a lot of things and a lot of people and a lot of situations. Uh, and then we're so busy, we say, well, I don't have time for spiritual life because I've got too many responsibilities. Well, no, if those are things you've assumed, then unassume them. Uh, but there are things that by giving up, you're becoming less of a person. Thing, people uh, and situations that uh, without you uh, will fall apart or will be hurt. Then those things are legitimate responsibilities that become part of our spiritual practice. But behind all of that, remembering that there's only one real purpose to life. Everything else takes its place in the light of that and not outside of the light of it. That's what Ramakrishna means by saying that you can have a long line of zeros and it's all worth nothing but zero. But if you put one in front of them, then you have a huge sum. And so the one is God. The one is spiritual reality. So if you remember that that's the central purpose to life, the other subsidiary purposes of life will take their meaning and will get their real value. Without that, they really don't have much value. They lead us astray. They lead us into further bondage and into further problems. So again, remembering that uh, there's only one real purpose to, li uh, to uh, life. The effect of that is what? The effect of that is to remove a great deal of the stress and tension from life. To remember that life isn't about success or failure. Life isn't, uh, life isn't about competition. It's not about winning. Uh, it's not about accumulation. It's not uh, about experiencing a lot of different things. All of this, those things have their value. They have their place. But that's not the central thing life is about. The central thing life is about is about realizing the highest truth, spiritual truth, realizing God. And if we remember that as the central fact of life, then whether we succeed or we fail, it doesn't really matter. We learn from both. Both come as blessings if we remember that the central purpose of life is to realize God. Then whether we're successful, whether we fail, it doesn't really matter. Uh, whether we make a lot of money or whether we end up in uh, poverty, that doesn't really matter so much. Uh, and other things uh, don't matter. Gain and loss don't matter so much if we remember that. And so the tremendous value of that, remembering that that's the central uh, purpose in life, is that it frees us from so much stuff. It frees us from so many concerns, so many worries. We realize that, no, if I hold on to that, other things get their value, but they don't get more value than they deserve. And if they're taken away from me, that also I can handle because I've got the thing that I need. Um, another thing to remember, an associated thing to remember, to keep in the mind, again, as a background, contextual part of our understanding, is that there's really no going back in spiritual life. Many of us in the early years of spiritual life have some tension in the mind thinking that, well, I, I like spiritual life, I want it, but I really have a lot of other interests, and what if I just forget about it and I go back to my old way and fall into my old habits and fall into my... What brought me to spiritual life in the beginning, or that sense of emptiness and that sense of lack of fulfillment and, uh, and so forth. Uh, once we come to a point, and it takes time, but once we come to a point in spiritual life that we realize deeply that there's no going back. I may backslide. Yes, that's part of life. I may backslide. Uh, but there's really nothing to go back to. There's really nothing worthwhile to go back to. As long as we remember that, then even if we backslide some, uh, then we'll pick ourselves up and we'll go forward again. Uh, and that's okay. We'll remember the advice of the desert father of early Christianity. Uh, there's a, you know, there's the uh, stories of the wisdom of the desert fathers and the desert mothers also, but the, the, uh, uh, this was one from one of the desert fathers. Uh, a young man came wandering through the desert going to these different spiritual teachers in early Christianity that were living in caves in uh, uh, the desert of uh, Egypt. Uh, a young man came to uh, uh, one of the fathers and said, Father, what is your spiritual practice? It was a typical question of those days for people wandering in the desert looking up these spiritual uh, teachers and asking them for wisdom. He said, Father, what is your holy father? What is your spiritual practice? And uh, he said... I fall down, I pick myself up. I fall down, I pick myself up. I fall down, I pick myself up. And that's all that he said. Uh, and, and that was all of the wisdom of spiritual practice. That's all spiritual practice is. 
That's the only thing spiritual practice is. That eventually, if we keep picking ourselves up, uh, then we come to the end of the journey. Uh, the journey ends only if we decide, well, I've, I've picked myself up one too many times. I'm sick of this. I'm getting out of here. Uh, <laughs> then the spiritual journey is over. As long as we don't do that, um, we're on the path. And so that's all we have to remember, that there's nothing really to go back to. Yes, there are slips, there are backslidings, there are things that I, that I fall back into that I was, uh, thought that I was over. Uh, but pick yourself up. That's all you have to do. Pick yourself up. That's all that there is to it. That is spiritual practice. So with uh, uh, that, let me just say uh, one more thing. There are a variety of other background contextual, contextual things that could be mentioned. But saying too many is, uh, just confuses the issue anyway. It's better to have a few to remember. So one last thing I'll mention, and that is to remember to make it a living part of our sort of background understanding that this is yoga. Life itself is yoga. Life itself is the spiritual path. Uh, we often define the spiritual path in terms of something which is inaccessible to us, going to a mountain cave in the Himalayas and living there on uh, fruits and nuts and roots, uh, something that we're never going to be able to do anyway. Uh, and so that puts spiritual life uh, safely far enough away from us and inaccessible enough we, that we don't have to worry about actually doing it. <laughs> so to, instead of that, let us always remember that where I am, uh, at the present moment, this is spiritual life. What I'm doing right now is spiritual life. Everything in the midst of the messiness of life, the messiness of life is spiritual life. Uh, learning to wind my way through the messiness of life, that is spiritual life. Learning to take the things that come to me in life uh, in the right way, that is spiritual life. Learning to deal with the problems I have to face in a way which is spiritually beneficial, that is spiritual life. Learning to insert some sort of practice in the midst of all of the busyness and all of the demands that I find on me in everyday life, that is spiritual life. And so this is spiritual life. Life itself is spiritual life. Om Dio Shantihi Antariksham Shantihi Prithivi Shantihi Apashantihi Yoshadaya Shantihi Vanaspataya Shantihi Vishwe Deva Shantihi Brahma Shantihi Sarvam Shantihi Shantireva Shantihi Sama Shantiredhi Om Shanti 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 Peace is in the heavens, peace is in the sky, peace is on earth, peace is in the waters, peace in the plants and the trees. The gods are peace, peace is the nature of truth, all is peace, peace alone, peace. May that peace, real peace, be with us all. Om, peace, peace, peace be unto us and to all the beings of the universe.